podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Love this podcast? Support this show through the supporter feature from Acast. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. The Two-Footed Podcast is brought to you by EPLindex.com and our presenting sponsor, Liberty Shield. Liberty Shield is a VPN provider. A virtual privacy network allows you to go online, change your location, access things you're geo-blocked from while keeping your data safe. So, as an example, if you are a UK expat and want access to BBC iPlayer to watch Match of the Day or ITV Hub or all four, but you get that message that says this content is not available in your location, a Liberty Shield VPN gets you around that block allows you to watch whatever you want on those services while also keeping your data safe. And it goes further than that. It allows you to open up Netflix's entire library by just changing your IP address. Liberty Shield is the number one rated VPN provider on Trustpilot with five-star ratings across the board. So go to libertyshield.com right now, use the code EPL25, and get either the hardware package or the software package. The hardware package is a router that you plug into your existing router. And any item you want to change the IP address on, be it your phone or your television, you connect that to the new Liberty Shield router. All other items can remain connected to your existing router. There's also a software package, which is instantly downloadable to your device. And you can get using straight away. Again, libertyshield.com, EPL25 for 25% off at checkout. We're also brought to you by Home of Hopcroft, a giftware and homework company located in Scotland, but shipping worldwide. Check out homeofhopcroft.co.uk and do check out the EPL Index and Anfield Index shops, which you'll find on Etsy. Use the codes EPL10 or RED10 for 10% off at checkout. And lastly, do remember to check out a tad predictable hosted by Tadiwa. That podcast is on this feed before every Premier League match week. And then the EPL Roundtable hosted by Kevin DeVries on its own EPL Roundtable feed. So just search EPL Roundtable in your podcast device. And that's out after every match week. Now, on with the show. Good boys and girls, two-footed podcast. Today is Friday. It is the 1st of September. It is better known as Deadline Day. Oh, Deadline Day. Always fun. Always fun. No matter whether your team's going to do anything or not, it's always fun to watch either, you know, transfers that you find interesting or rivals scrambling around trying to get bits and pieces done or whatever the case may be. Something interesting always happens on deadline day. So I enjoy it. You don't have to. Not saying you have to, but I enjoy it. So, you know, if you don't, sorry for you. Tomorrow's another day. Uh, We're going to begin with the Europa League. 
We had the second leg of the playoff games last night. We had 10 games in total. Uh, Quarabeg won, Olympija won. So Quarabeg threw 3-1 on aggregate. Aris Limassol, 6. Slovan Bratislava, 2. Limassol threw 7-4 on aggregate. Zoria Luhansk, 2. Slavia Prague, 1. Slavia go through. 3-2 on aggregate. Sparta Prague, 4. Dinamo Zagreb, 1. So big turnaround there, having lost the first leg, 3-1. They go through 5-4 on aggregate. Sheriff Tiraspol, 2. Team in, in Norway, whose name I can't pronounce, 1. Sheriff through 3-2 on aggregate. Ajax nil, Ludogorets one. Ajax go through four two. Kukuriki one, sorry, Kukuriki nil. Olympiakos three. Olympiakos through six one on aggregate. Lugano nil, Union Saint Gilles one. Union Saint Gilles go through three nil on aggregate. Uh, Aberdeen one, Hacken three. So unfortunately for Aberdeen, they do drop out of the Europa League. Hacken go through five three on aggregate, and then Zorinski one, Lask one. Lask go through 3-2 on aggregate. And the group stage draws have been made. So in Group A, we get West Ham, Olympiakos, Freiburg, and back at Topola, who I, I don't know. Uh, let me see. What? Oh, they're from they're from Serbia. They're not a club I'm familiar with, but they are in West Ham's group. So that's a Difficult group, but West Ham should still advance. Olympiacos will be tough and Freiburg will be tough. And I don't imagine uh, back at Topol will be a fun place to go. Probably be quite an intimidating, hostile ground because their fans, the, the Serbian fans, create amazing atmospheres. One of the best countries to go and watch a game of football in. The atmosphere they create in, especially like when it's Partizan or, or Red Star is incredible. But a lot of the other clubs do as well. So I'm assuming... I'm assuming the atmosphere will be pretty impressive. You might also, you might be unfortunate and get some hooligans from other clubs will turn up to try and fight West Ham fans because West Ham fans have a reputation. Uh, Ajax, Marseille, Brighton and AEK Athens in Group B. This is the group of death in this competition. Really, really tough group for Brighton. Really tough group. Very unfortunate with that draw. Group C, Rangers, Real Betis, Sparta Prague, So full disclosure, I've nearly choked to death. But yeah, Group C, Rangers, Real Betis, Sparta Prague and Aris Limassol. Tough group for Rangers. But again, you would expect them to advance probably in second place. Uh, group uh, Group D, Atalanta, Sporting, Sturmgratz and Racco should be fairly straightforward for Atalanta and Sporting. Group E gets Liverpool, Lask, Union St. Gilles and Toulouse. Liverpool should walk that group. Second place will be interesting, though, because I'd say the other three are fairly well matched. Uh, group F, Villarreal, Rennes, Maccabi Haifa and Panikonitos. Looking forward to that one. Group G is Roma, Slavia Prague, Sheriff Tiraspol and Servette. Roma would be expected to advance fairly comfortably, obviously, and then a battle for second. And then in Group H, Leverkusen, Quarabeg, Molde and Hacken. And again, you'd expect Leverkusen to advance and then the rest to battle for second. In the Europa Conference League, uh, Bodo Glimp won 3-2 over Sepsi. 
and advanced 5-4 on aggregate. HJK beat Farul 2-0 and went through 3-2. Bryoblick won 1-0 last night against Struga and they go through 2-0. Victoria plays in 3, Tobel 0, 5-1 on aggregate. 20-0, Fenerbahce 1, Fenerbahce through 5, sorry, 6-1 on aggregate. Applewell 1, Ghent 2, Ghent go through 4-1 on aggregate. Bran 3, AZ Alkmaar 3, 4-4 on aggregate. Alkmaar wins 6-5 on penalties. PAOK 4, Hearts 0. PAOK go through 6-1 on aggregate. Uh, Adama Demispor 1, Genk 0. 2-2 on aggregate, Genk go through on penalties. Ferencvaros 3, Zalgiris 0. Ferencvaros easily through there, 7-0 on aggregate. Uh, Dnipro won Spartak Ternava. I think it's Spartak Ternava. Uh, two. Spartak go through 3-2 on aggregate. Fiorentina 2, Rapid Vienna 0. Fiorentina through 2-1. Partizan 1, Astani 1. Astani go through 2-1 on aggregate. Bath won Balkani 0, but Balkani go through 4-2. Selge won Maccabee Tel Aviv 1. Maccabee go through 5-2. Besiktas won Dino Kiev nil. Besiktas win 4-2. Rijeka won Lille 1. Lille go through 3-2. Eintracht Frankfurt 2. Levski Sofia nil. Eintracht go through 3-1 on aggregate. Did Kolomuani play? He did not. He was not in the squad. So that one is still to be resolved. We'll have to wait and see. Um, Club Bruges 2. Osasuna Two Osasuna go out. Uh, Club Bruges through four two on aggregate. Sorry, four three on aggregate. Legia Warsaw won. Mitteland won four four on aggregate. Legia go through six five on penalties. Partizan nil. Nordlesjand won. Nordlesjand go through six nil on aggregate. And then Aston Villa three. Hibernian nil. Villa through eight nil on aggregate. Jan Duran, Leon Bailey, and Maddie Cash with the goals in that one. Groups have been drawn. In Group A is the Norwegian team that I cannot will not pronounce, Lille and Olympia. Uh, Slovan Bra- and Slovan Bratislava, sorry. Uh, Group B, Breivik, Genk, uh, sorry, Ghent, Maccabi Tel Aviv, and Zoria Luhansk. Group C, Astana, Balkany, Dinamo Zagreb, and Victoria Plisson. Group D has Besiktas, Bodo Glimt, Club Bruges and Lugano. Group E, Alkmaar, Aston Villa, Legia Warsaw and Zorinsky. Villa will be strong favourites to come out of that group as, as the top team. Group F, Kukuriki, Sukuriki, Chukuriki, I'm not sure. I'm, I'm genuinely not sure. I'm not trying to be funny. I don't know how it's pronounced. Uh, Ferenc Varos, Fiorentina and Genk. It's a difficult enough group, but Fiorentina should advance. Uh, group G, Aberdeen, Eintracht Frankfurt, HJK and PAOK. Eintracht will win that group, but after that, it, it, there's a possibility for Aberdeen. There's a possibility. Uh, group H then, Fenerbahce, Ludogorets, Nordlesjand and Spartak, Ternava. So that is what we have from the European competitions. Um... Garrett Southgate is facing some criticism after his selections for the England squad 
ahead of their next games. And uh, they are warranted selections. So England will obviously take on Ukraine in a qualifier and Scotland in a friendly in the international break. Jordan Pickford, Sam Johnston and Aaron Ramsdale are the goalkeepers. Nick Pope is England's best goalkeeper and isn't in the squad. Kyle Walker, Harry Maguire, who can't get a game at United, Kieran Trippier, Ben Chilwell, Mark Wehi, Takao Tamori, Lewis Dunk and Levi Colwell. Other than Maguire, I actually quite like the group. Um, Maguire is a laughable choice, though. A laughable choice. Uh, midfield, Jordan Henderson. He's playing in Saudi Arabia for a mediocre team. Declan Rice, Calvin Phillips, who can't get a game at City. Jude Bellingham. Trent is picked as a midfielder, but he could easily play right back, obviously. And Conor Gallagher, who I don't mind because he's had a good start to the season. And then in attack, he's gone Harry Kane, fine. Rashford, fine. Grealish, meh. Saka, obviously. Foden, obviously. Callum Wilson, who can't get in the team at Newcastle. James Madison, fine. Ebery Chiesa, love the call-up. And Eddie Nketiah. Now, I'm happy for Nketiah that he's getting his first call-up. Him and Colwell uh, could make their debuts. But I'm sorry, but Eddie Nketiah, I know he scored, but he hasn't exactly set the world alight. Uh, but I hope he does well. I do. I, I do like Eddie and Ketty. And obviously with Ivan Tony out and Tammy Abraham out, it's a little bit strange. But I mean, Raheem Sterling is in unbelievable form for start of the season. And Jared Bowen's playing well. So how are they not in the squad? I don't understand how they're not in the squad over Wilson. And I suppose it would be in Ketty. I don't understand how Henderson and Maguire are in the squad. And I don't understand how Calvin Phillips is in the squad. I know he's short of real quality in midfield, but still. Calvin Phillips is a good player. Henderson has been garbage for three years, so makes no sense. Makes no sense at all. Um, so, yeah, that's the England squad. Uh, let's move on. Manchester United have agreed a loan deal for Sergio Regular. Looks like that one is done. Uh, Liverpool have agreed a deal for Ryan Gravenberch. Just dotting the I's and crossing the T's, it seems, on that one. Um, let's have a look and see what's actually been completed Anzu Fati to Brighton is done Clement Langley to Villa is done they're both loans Matthias Nunes to City for 55 million I do like that deal I do I have to say I, I love the Fatty deal I don't like the Langley deal because I don't don't rate him uh, but I love the Nunes deal uh, and Nuno Tavares from Arsenal to Forest I think that's a good move for him a good move for Forest. Tommy Doyle on loan to Wolves from City with an option to buy. It's a great deal. Great deal for Wolves. They've gotten it's an option to buy for five million pennies. Even if he doesn't work out, you still do it because there's no way you lose money. Um, Cole Palmer, Manchester City to Chelsea is a done deal. I, I just don't like that deal at all. And Alte Bayinder is a done deal. Fenerbahce to Manchester United. So that one has also been confirmed. Um, there are a few other deals that are in the pipeline. Uh, so it looks like Everton are continuing to pursue Wilfred Nanto. They are in the process, it seems, of selling Alex Awobi to Fulham, which is a bit of an odd move for Fulham. Um, 
not really sure what to make of of that one. But you know, it is what it is. Um, what else have we got? Uh, Neil Mope is going to Brentford on loan. It appears uh, he came to England with Brentford and did quite well there before going to Brighton and then obviously on to Everton. So they'll get a striker in. Ibrahim Sanger looks like he is on his way to Nottingham Forest. Nottingham Forest getting him in, getting Dominguez in, getting Tavares in, Murillo's in. There's one more as well that I'm not thinking of. And Brendan Johnson, it looks like, will go to Spurs, which is a pretty good signing, I think. He doesn't solve their number nine issue. Doesn't solve it at all. But, you know, he gives them another option in attack. And I think they do get their son successor with that one. Uh, Hugo Lloris to Sheffield United is a a rumour that's popped up today. That will be an interesting one. Sheffield United also look to be bringing in uh, McAtee from Man City and potentially looking at maybe Smith Rowe as well. Um, Paul Merson talking utter gibberish about Mo Salah. It's always a a fun one. Um, Arteta expects Arsenal to do nothing more. So that's fair enough. Blackburn signed Samir Talalovic from Borussia Mönchengladbach. Okay. Andoni Iraola wants Lloyd Kelly to stay at the club. I think Kelly, am I right in thinking, is out of contract at the end of this season? And there's been some speculation that he could move uh, with Spurs reported to be interested. Uh, yeah, he's had a contract in a year. Interested to see what he does. I'm not sure Spurs is the right move for him. I don't think they need, really need him, but he is a very good player. I do I do like him. Uh, we'll check in with the journalists and see what they're what they've got to say for themselves. Um, we'll check with Ornstein first. So um, he has reported that. Liverpool have rejected a bid of over 100 million plus add-ons, bringing it to 150 for Mo Salah. Uh, the Saudi Pro League will probably try again, but that's a no. Um, Southampton have blocked proposed Che Adams transfer to Wolves. 27-year-old Scotland striker was due to extend his Saints contract and go on loan with a 50 mil- 15 million buy option that could become an obligation. I don't know why Wolves would do that. They've already got decent strikers. That's not really what they need. There are teams that need him. Crystal Palace could do with him. But, oh well. Uh, Spurs' fee for Brennan Johnson is 47.5 million no add-ons and a 10% sell-on. Very, very good. Very, very good player. I know it's a high price. I know it's a high price, but they have been after him most of the summer. And apparently Pasta Coglu really likes him. So it is what it is. Manchester United have reached an agreement with Fiorentina to sign Sofian Amrabat. He will join on a season-long loan with an option to buy. Yet another former Eric Ten Hag player because he can't live without them all. Um... So that's that one. United have signed and confirmed Sergio Regulon. 
Uh, Ryan Gravenbruch is undergoing a medical, apparently, as we speak. So that's him. Uh, what does Mike McGrath have to say for himself today? Um, Crystal Palace confirmed they've agreed a fee for Rob Holding in the region of $4 million. So just a bit of a depth centre-back move. Not bad. Uh, Cousin Jeff is on his way to Sheffield Wednesday from Newcastle. That's good stuff. Matthias Nunes completes his deal. Albert Sambi Laconga could be going to Luton on loan. They're also trying to loan in Donny van der Beek. They can't loan both, so remains to be seen what happens there. Uh... Sunderland central midfielder Dan Neal on the radar of Premier League clubs on deadline day. Liverpool have sent scouts to watch the England under-20 international who has played as a regular in League One in the Championship. He's 21 now. I wouldn't be in favour of that move from a Liverpool point of view, to be quite honest. Um, I just don't see the point. He is a, he's a talented player. I just don't see the point in Liverpool signing him. I don't know what he would what he would bring them at this point. We'll check with John Percy, uh, just the Brennan Johnson deal and the Ibrahim Sanger deal. So that's the two he's got today. And sure, why not? Our best friend, the spoofer with the catchphrase, he'll have 40 tweets for us to go through. Uh, so his first one is a here we go on Sophie and Amrabat. Uh, Sheffield United have signed James McAtee on a season-long loan. For Man City. That's a really good get for them. Atletico Madrid has already presented verbal proposal for Pierre-Emile Heusberg on loan with the buy option. Okay. Quite like that move for for all parties. Apparently it's it's not quite matching Spurs' expectations. But I do like that move. Burnley have agreed 31.5 million package deal for Ian Matson. From Chelsea. Fee includes add-ons. No green light yet from the player. Chelsea would have a sell-on clause. So you're you're buying Cole Palmer and selling this kid. So you're selling off him and Lewis Hull, who've been really impressive in preseason, who are immensely talented. Now Cole Palmer is really talented as well, don't get me wrong. But this is this is the stupidity of Bowley. Yes, from an accounting point of view, it makes sense because this is clear profit. But this is the stupidity of what Bowley has done to that club. That club should be filling their squad with their own academy products, and instead he's just selling them off. The man is a moron. Um, Real Betis are trying to sign Abde from Barcelona. West Brom right-back Ethan Ingram is set to join Salford City on a season-long loan. Trevo Chalaba wants to join Bayern. Looks like last-minute Bayern move or staying at Chelsea for the English centre-back. Leo Labada will sign a new Celtic contract today, which is good. Uh, Joe Felix seemingly could be going to Barcelona. I assume it would be a loan. I don't know how else it would work. I'm not really sure how Barca could make that happen. Uh, Sanger to Nottingham Forest looks done. Callum Hudson-Odoi, I couldn't think of who it was. Um, and they've got a new goalkeeper coming in. So pa- Nottingham Forest are really busy today. They're trying to complete 
at least three, maybe four deals today. And that doesn't include the sale of Brennan Johnson. Um, Brentford bringing back Mope. We've done that one. Uh, Zhao Canseo on his way to Barcelona on loan. Um, what else do we have? Brighton have confirmed Ansu Fati. Ajax are set to sign Borna Sosa. That's a weird move for him. He he has stagnated, but he should have been on the move two years ago to a top club. Um, Papu Gomez has left Sevilla and will now be a free agent. I would guess he ends ends up in the Middle East. Wolves have submitted a an opening bid to Salonatana to sign Buladia. Uh, so obviously they tried for this. It was turned down, and now they're then they went for Adams, and now that looks like it's it's uh, stalled. Joe Polinia is having a medical today to sign for Bayern. And Fulham don't seem to be signing a real replacement for him, which is a, a very strange decision. Atalanta are trying to sign Isaac Hain from Verona. He's a good player. Fiorentina are signing Maxime Lopez from Sassuolo. Randall Colomuani, according to the spoofer, he will join PSG today. Package being finalised, some points to clarify, £90 million deal. Eintracht also need a replacement, could be Ekatiki. We'll see what happens. Okay. Clement Langley, Joe Polinia, Ibrahim Sanger, Sofian Amrabat. He just repeats the same crap over and over again. Uh, Yannick Karaska is on his way to the Middle East. Werder Bremen have submitted a formal bid to sign Rafael Santos Bohr from Eintracht. I like that. We did sell Nicholas Fulkrug and uh, we'll need a new striker. Inter and Ajax are exchanging contracts for Davy Klassen. I mean, that is grim. Inter, what are you doing? Alex Iwobi to Fulham for £22 million. Including add-ons, interesting. It's a significant loss on what on what they paid for him. Uh, Johan Bakioko has communicated to Brentford. He is not joining them. Final decision. Yeah, I I, I wonder if he's been asked to hold off for a, a different move, maybe in the summer or something next summer. Like, um, Mark Urado leaves Man United for Espanyol. Benucci to Union Berlin, Nuno Tavares to Forest. Another bit about Papu Gomez because you know you can't say it too many times. Um, Cole Palmer, James McAtee, Odysseus to Forest. That one is is a done deal. Uh, Ginny Wijnaldum is away to Al Etifak to join Stephen Gerrard and carry. Jordan Henderson for another couple of years. Uh, Three-year deal. Nine million is the fee. It's a shame. It's a shame for Ginny. Ooh, didn't see this one. Uh, Taylor Harwood-Bellis has joined uh, Southampton on a season-long loan. I'm disappointed. He's good enough to play in the Premier League now, and I would have liked to have seen a Premier League team get him. I I thought Burnley would have. Now, it's a loan, but I, I would bet City would be willing to sell. Um, 
understand Yusuf Yusuf Makoko stays at Borussia Dortmund. Didn't realise there was any links to him going. Uh, Sevilla have tried for Victor Nelson and been turned down by Galatasaray. Uh, Yafet Tanganga is undergoing medicals at Augsburg, loan with an option to buy for six million. That's very cheap for Yafet Tanganga. Uh, Davy Klassen's going on a free transfer. It's still grim. Um, Mike Tresor is on his way to Burnley, it looks like, from Genk. Um, another winger. Burnley signing all the wingers in this window. All of them. Benfica decided to reject all proposals for Thomas Arejo. I wonder when that deal got turned down, is that why they went and just spent offered the big money for for Burnley, that is, went and offered the big money for Ian Matson. Now I know they're very different players. Obviously, one's a centre back, one's a full back or winger, but they they're obviously playing with a, a certain amount of money. Benfica are signing Juan Bernat. Forgotten about him at all. Uh, Chalobah to Bayern could be a loan by the sounds of things. And that's pretty much what we've got. So we're going to take a break. When we come back, we will we'll go through the games this weekend with Guy Drinkle. So there you go. I will talk to you all on Monday. No, I'll talk to you all after this break. And then we'll talk on Monday. Talk to you in a sec. Bye-bye. Right. Welcome back. So I am joined, as always, on a Friday by Mr. Guy Drinkle. How are you, sir? You know, still Liverpool. Still Liverpool. Still leaving themselves short. (laughs) Still nonsense. Um, Right. Well, forgetting... Well, we won't be forgetting Liverpool because we will have to talk about them. Uh, there are nine other Premier League games this weekend, and some of them, some of them are quite fun. Some of them are less than fun, though. Yes, and uh, I mean this could be fun because it's the first one at Kenilworth Road. I think I pronounced that right. Um, we have Luton against West Ham on the Friday night. I mean, they're, they're loving the Friday night football this, this year for some reason. Um, I still don't know anything about Luton. <laughs> but West Ham have started the season really well. And my prediction on today was podcast of them getting relegated is very stupid now. But at, in my defence, they had signed no one at that point apart from James Ward Prowse. So I'm blaming yeah, them. I mean, to be fair, they were very, very slow to get going in terms of bringing players in. But since you did that pod, they've brought in Edson Alvarez and Mohamed Kudus and uh, Mavroponos on top of the, the Ward-Prowse signing. So they have strengthened. And like you said, they've started the, the season very, very well. They got the 1-1 draw away to Bournemouth. They were a little bit lucky in that one, but then they, they gave Chelsea a bit of a spanking. And then they beat Brighton last weekend as well. So... What seemed like quite a difficult start for them, they've come out of with seven points. This is another difficult game. Even though they are considerably better than Luton, it's it's Luton's first home game in the Premier League ever. It's the first home game they've had in the top flight since the 91-92 season. And it's Kenilworth Road. It's a little bit special, that ground, because it's so tight and so narrow and so unlike any other stadium in the Premier League. 
So it is going to be a difficult enough task for West Ham. They will be without Mavropoulos and without Thomas Suchek for this one. Luton will be without Dan Potts, Jordan Clark and Gabriel Osho. Like you, I'm not massively familiar with a lot of the Luton players. They have done a lot of business this summer, but as I've said before, I think they're what they're doing is they're building a team for next season's championship so that they are in a really strong position to come back up. Because when you look at who they've brought in, there's nobody that I'd look at there and say, that's a definite Premier League starter for six or seven teams. Nobody. And in their entire squad, I like Carlton Morris. I do. I like Carlton Morris, but he might be the only one I'd say would start for maybe two or three. Issa Kabor that they brought in from City is, is, is an outlier, actually. So I take it back. He's the one player I think could start for a lot of Premier League clubs, but he's in on loan. They haven't bought him. There's no commitment there. This will be a tough game for West Ham. The Luton crowd, while small, will be very fired up for this. I'm going to go for the draw. I'll go 2-2. I'm looking forward to watching this one tonight. How about one you're not looking forward to on Saturday afternoon? Oh, (laughs) this is... I'm not watching uh, this game. I, I'm not watching any. I'm, I'll watch like a four minute highlight of this game. I'm not watching anything else unless there's like a ton of goals, which is like five all. No, neither team can defend. It's going to be five. Well, no, neither of them can score as well. Exactly. Holly McBurney. Imagine, <laughs> imagine if you lived at the top of a hill, right? And at the bottom of that hill, it started up into another hill, which was equally the size of yours. And you went and you got a trolley from your local Sainsbury's and your friend went and got a trolley from the local Sainsbury's and you stood at the top of either hill and into your trolleys you put like your washing machine or your fridge or something and you flung it down with reckless abandon as your friend did exactly the same having loaded similar items into his and at the bottom of the hill they crashed into each other that is what this game of football is going to be. Dreadful. Absolutely dreadful. I don't know that we'll see many worse games. Now, I could be wrong. Maybe it turns out to be a belter, but I doubt it. Um, Everton, loads of injuries. No Seamus Coleman, no Deli Alley, no Jack Harrison, no Andre Gomes. No Alex Iwobi, but it looks like he's going to leave today anyway. No Dwight McNeil, no Calvert-Lewin. And no Michael Enko by the looks of it. For Sheffield United, also plenty of injuries. No Max Lowe, no Ben Osborne, no John Fleck, no Rian Brewster, no Reese Norrington Davies, and no Daniel Jebison. So neither team will be at full strength, but I would I would suggest Sheffield United will be closer to their Yeah, closer to their best eleven than Everton will. And Everton have been atrocious so far. Lost at home to an average Fulham team. Hammered away by Villa. Lost at home to a pretty bad Wolves team. Like, at least Sheffield United 
they've given teams a game. Like, they were pretty good against Crystal Palace and probably should have won. In fairness, Everton should have beaten Fulham. They gave Nottingham Forest a good game and should have gotten a point. And last weekend, they gave City a real scare. But they, they like Everton, have no points. These are two of the four teams with no points. So something has to give here. And I'm going to back the Blades. At home, I'm going to back Sheffield Wednesday to win this game. So I will say 1-0 to Sheffield Wednesday. Yeah, it wouldn't surprise me. Uh, I did forget they signed Cameron Archer as well, so maybe he adds a bit more impact. And I do like him. Yeah, Yeah, I do like him. Yeah, everyone, obviously I'm from near Middlesbrough, everyone was a fan of him up here as well. Um, we'll move on to the three o'clock kickoffs then. Um, Brentford against Bournemouth, Dave, probably two of the more settled sides coming into transfer deadline day. I know Brentford have been looking at forwards and stuff like that, but it, maybe not transformative signs. They missed out on Brennan Johnson, who looks like he's going to Spurs. Uh, I think Nico Gonzalez, that didn't happen at all. It's just Hugo Ekatiki seems to be the one remaining link, but I don't think that'll affect this week. And the Bournemouth, no. they've, they had all their business sorted true, truly early, didn't they, really? So pretty settled fixture here. Yeah, and this is one I am going to watch because I, I like both teams. I like both managers. I think they've both had pretty strong summers. Brentford obviously will be a little bit disappointed because they had a deal agreed for Johan Bakayoko and he's backed out of that one. Ekatiki... I think is actually more what they need. And I think if they could get him and have Kevin Shade, then you've also got Mbomo for the right wing anyway, and Wissa and Lewis Potter. I'd be happy with that group moving forward. And obviously you'll probably sell Tony in January and maybe you can add one more at that stage. But uh, for this weekend, no Tony, no De Silva, no Baptiste. Damsgaard is most likely out and Strakosha is a doubt, but might be might be ready to well, he's ready to sit on the bench. Um, <laughs> Bournemouth, no Alex Scott. He's a couple of months away, unfortunately, which is is, is a shame. Uh, no Oatara, no Adam Smith, no uh, Tavernier, no Tyler Adams. They reckon he's back after the international break. Uh, Ryan Fredericks and Emiliano Marcondes also out. I'd be shocked if Emiliano Marcondes is actually registered this year. I reckon mm. he's probably bound for somewhere in the Middle East, maybe Qatar um, at some point. Um, I, I'm really looking forward to this game. I have to say, I really am looking forward to this game. With Brentford being at home, though, I'll back Brentford for the win and I'll go I'll go 2-1. Yeah, it's a bit strange. I think, well, obviously, it's the British media, but you see the, the narrative starting with Iriola already, but we even seen with Deserby, it takes a little bit of time to get, get set. And they've had a pretty damn hard start to the season. And this is just adding on to it. So, But um, but that's yeah. always the way. When yeah. any foreign manager comes in. I mean, we saw it with um, Marco Silva when he first arrived into, into the UK. Uh, yeah. At Hull. And Merson and all the other idiots were scoffing at him. And then he almost kept them up from a near impossible position. And I, then he went to Watford. He did really well till his head got turned. Then he went to Everton. He did really well until, you know, they did Everton things. He's a good manager and he's showing that now. Deserby is an even better example, though, because if you mm-hmm. think of last season, 
they obviously started the season quite well under Graham Potter, but Graham Potter leaves on the 8th of September. And in Deserby's first five games, they took two points. They drew at Liverpool, lost to Spurs, lost to Brentford, drew at Forest, lost to City. But then they beat Chelsea, and then they beat Wolves, then they lost to Villa, and things went to the World Cup, and people were, you know, a little hesitant to really give them too much praise. Eight points from seven games wasn't great, considering the really good start that they'd made. But then they came back after the World Cup, and everybody fell in love with them, because it takes time. And now, Deserby, if he was to leave Brighton, would have his pick of jobs. If, if a top seven club in the league or top eight club in the league, um, you know, the big six, Villa and Newcastle, if any of them mm. decided to get rid of their manager tomorrow, the clamour for him, for Deserby, would be enormous. And I think Iraola is equally as talented a coach as Roberto Deserby. His brand of football is not quite as attractive, but it is a good brand of football. It'll mm. take time. And like he's also bedding in a lot of new players. Like, let's not forget, Bournemouth didn't just go big in this transfer window. They went big in January as well. And some of those players didn't make a huge impact last season. So this summer they've brought in Clivert, um, they've made the Traore deal permanent. He didn't play a whole lot in the back half of last season. Like he played seven games in the back half of last season, and only a couple of them were starts. They brought in Kirkes, they brought in Scott, Aaron's, and Adams. Adams and Aaron's obviously Adams and Scott haven't played yet, but Aaron's is new, Kirkes is new. That's two new fullbacks plus Zerbani, who came in in January and didn't really play. Mm. So that's three of your back four are brand new. Even Sanishi didn't get really going until the sec- last third of the season. The last third of the season. So, yeah. you know, and, and then you've got the issues with Lloyd Kelly, who's had some injuries and he's been in and out. You've lost Jefferson Lerma in midfield, so you have lost that protector of your defence. Like, this is going to take time. But I believe these owners will give him time because it was a big, brave move to go and get him. They could have just stuck with Gary O'Neill, but they went out and got the manager that they felt was the best possible choice for them, a guy who could very easily be the Leeds manager now or the Southampton manager now or the Leicester manager now because he turned down all those offers last season. But they've gone and gotten them, and I think it will prove to be a good move over time. So just leave him at it. I don't think they're in any real risk of relegation. It's not like they had an easy start. They had West Ham, who won a European trophy last year. Liverpool, who finished fifth last year, but that was a surprise to everybody. And then Spurs, who are hugely improved this year. So, like, let's give him a bit of time. These are these are tough opponents that they're taking on. And it doesn't get easier. Brentford, Chelsea, and Brighton in the next three, then Arsenal. So it is tough. Well, let's give them time. Yeah, you know, it, it's a tough start to the season. But the, random that, fi- the random fixture generator was tough then. It was tough on them. But the hope for them will be that they can pick up a lot of points to the middle point of the season. You know, that then after the Arsenal game, they get Everton, they get Wolves, they get Burnley. That's potentially three wins. 
Yeah, then they get Sheffield United a couple of games later. Crystal Palace is one they'll target to win. Luton, Bournemouth, Fulham. These are the type of games they're going to be targeting. Iraol is not an idiot. He doesn't think they're going to the to to main to the main. I was going to say main road to the Etihad and coming away with three points. But he looks at Newcastle at home and thinks, well, maybe a point in that. And if we can beat Everton, Wolves, and Bournemouth and get a draw against Newcastle and take ten points from those five games, that's a really good return. Because when you're not at the top, that's how you have to look at things. You look at games in in patches and think, right, from this, this these five games here, how many points can we get? And you do that across the course of the season. And then you know how many points, or you estimate how many points you'll have going into your last three games. And you know then, are we going to be hopefully safe? Are we going to be battling relegation? What is our situation going to be? So I would leave the, the media narratives to themselves. Most of those people are idiots who have probably never heard of this guy before he landed at Bournemouth. And they're all probably a little bit upset as well that, you know, a good British manager like Gary O'Neill got, got, got fired and what a miracle job he did keeping them up because they don't have the ability to think critically about it and look at the situation with Bournemouth last season where it was really two good runs kept them up. They had the run from when he took over August 31st to the 15th of October. Six games, two wins, four draws. Ten points there. And then a bitty run where they drew against Forest, lost to Brighton, drew against Newcastle, beat Wolves, lost to City, lost to Arsenal, beat Liverpool, lost to Villa, beat Fulham, lost to Brighton, beat Leicester, beat Tottenham, lost to West Ham, beat Southampton, beat Leeds. Like, that's a, a bitty run where they're just picking up points along the way. And thankfully for them, they picked up enough points to survive. And then they were just horrendous the last three games, last four games, because they didn't didn't need them. But it wasn't some incredible job. He did very, very well to keep them up. Very, very well. But yeah. they went in January and they spent fortune. Oatara, Semenyo, um, and Zabarni cost a total of $55 million. They also committed 25 or whatever it was to Hamid Traore. So you're, you're putting out $80 million there. They did bring in Matthias Vigna on loan as well. They paid a loan fee for him and had an option to buy they didn't take up. But you're probably talking about $85 million in total that they spent in January. For a club like Bournemouth, that's enormous money. I mean, for a club like Liverpool, it's enormous money. But for Bournemouth, it's massive, massive money with nothing coming back in. Like It's not like they sold players to balance the books. That's just money out the door. They've done it again this summer. They're backing the manager. They're, they're investing in the team. So let's give it time. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Even in defeat, I think they've been impressive, to be fair. Yeah. But we'll move on. We'll move on because we're doing Steve Bruce things here. <laughs> um, almost Steve Bruce worthy is Burnley. Um, they have Spurs coming to their, coming to the yeah, turf move. I forgot the name of the stadium there. Um, I thought Burnley would be a bit better, to be honest, Dave. I know they've only had the uh, two games because they missed a Luton one, didn't they? But I thought they'd be a bit better, but. Yeah, it looks like they've been a bit easy to play against. And, I mean, Spurs have been impressive. It's still a 
bit frail at the back at times yeah. and Richarlison doing Richarlison things isn't helping. Maybe Brennan, obviously not this weekend, but maybe Brennan Johnson can play a false nine role or something like that. Um, what do you make of this? It could be interesting. Yeah, I mean, I think this is going to be an interesting game for sure. Burnley, like you said, they do look a little bit easy to play against. But we do have to factor in, they lost to City. Everybody loses yeah. to City. And they lost to Villa, who are a very good team in their own right. So it's not like they've played crap and come away with no points. They've played two of the seven best teams in the country, or seven or eight best teams in the country, whatever way you want to rank Villa, with, with you know considering Chelsea's rebuild um this is another tough game for burnley like they've had they've had an unfortunate start because the luton game was probably the one they were looking at in the first four and thinking right we'll get three points there even though that was going to be a tough game because it would have been away spurs have impressed me that the style of football is really really good to watch now like you said they are quite open uh this weekend no benton no sessignon no hill no lacelso no Alfie Whiteman. Richarlison's a doubt, but should be good to go. Burnley, no Zorori, no Bayer. Oh, Bayer could be back, but it's unlikely. Uh, no Vitinho, no Obafemi, no Sherlinev, no Ekdal, and Aaron Ramsey is a doubt. So it's it's a tough game for Burnley, and they're missing some important players there. Um, I've really enjoyed watching Spurs this year. Really, really enjoyed it. I, I love Ange. I, I spoke about him a bunch when he was at Celtic. I think he was a great get for Spurs, and it looks like all the players have bought in. So I'm going to go for a Spurs win, but I do think it'll be an entertaining game. I'm going to go 3-2 to Spurs. Ooh, might have to put that on me three o'clock. Um, could be a fun one. Um, Probably end up nil-nil now that I've said that. Yeah, absolutely, of course. Um, Chelsea against Forest, Dave. I mean, Chelsea... Um, got the win over Luton last week, last Friday, I should say. Um, Forrest, I mean, just touching on them for a sec, obviously losing a big part of the attack. I think towards the end of last season, we we spoke about them finally finding a system that worked for them. Um, and the forward line, especially with Johnson, uh, Gibbs, White and Awani. Do you think it's just plug and play with Alanga? Obviously, the window's still open for a few hours when this is released. Um Maybe they'll do something, but do you think it'll just be a Langer um, in and Johnson out? That's my guess, yeah, is that a Langer is, is the replacement. Now, obviously, Forest have a number of attacking options. Like, it's they've got decent enough depth in attack, and I, I would be really curious to see if Emmanuel Dennis will get a lot more chances this year. I'd like to see Dennis and Awanyi as a front two with, with Gibbs White behind. I think that could be quite interesting. Um, they're looking to bring in Ibrahim Sanger today. Now, obviously, it'll be too late for him to play this weekend, but like that's a really good signing that solidifies their midfield and, and probably will actually improve them overall. I, lo- I love what so- some of the, the moves they've made this summer. Mm. Just like, five five DMs, five right-backs as a team. Yeah, I mean, but... <laughs> Murillo from Corinthians is a huge, huge talent. Like that's mm. a really good get for them. I don't mind the Nuno Tavares deal at all. Um, I think the Gonzalo Montiel deal is really good for them. The the loan of Andre Santos is very, very good. Very clever move there. And I'm I'm expecting Danilo, who was impressive after arriving from Palmieres, 
I think he's going to be outstanding for them this year. So with a bit of luck, it's it's him and Sanger who'll be the regular pairing in midfield because that's exactly who who Danilo needs next to him. Like if if Sanger does the sitting and the holding, Danilo can buzz around him and be a ball winner and a progressive player. This is a difficult enough game though because obviously Chelsea have spent so much money, so much money. It's absurd how much money they spent, but. They still don't look particularly good. Like, even last weekend, I know they won. I wasn't hugely impressed. Wasn't impressed with the midweek. So they don't they don't really look like a team yet. Now, week by week, that will improve. Uh, injury-wise, no Fafana, no Nkunku, no Chukwemeka, no Bettinelli, no Brohian, no Trevo Chalaba. He's probably leaving anyway. No Reese James. Romeo Lavia is still working his way back to fitness. Nobody is Chile and Mikhailo Mudrik probably out until after the international break too. For Forrest, who remember were decimated by injuries last year. Mm. Uh, Danilo is the only one. Oh, sorry. Scott McKenna and Danilo are the only ones pretty much definitely out this weekend. Wayne Hennessy and Mangala are doubts, but they could make it. Uh, Joe Worrell will be suspended, but. You know, that's just what happens when you get sent off for doing a silly thing. Um, mm. I'm going to have to back Chelsea because they're at home, so I'll go 2-1. Yeah, but to be fair, Tywo's probably the mo- most informed striker. Kind of. It's weird when you play like Forrest because a lot of the goals are unaccountable. He's been a very impressive start to the season, so him against that weird back line could be fun. Um, Dave, I mean, the last three o'clock kickoff, we've got City against Fulham. Fulham must have had the weirdest summer and we have no idea what they're going to do with the remainder of the hours because they bid for Amrabat but he's seemingly United bound so I'm guessing they'll get another DM um, Iwobi looks like he's coming in not sure exactly where he'll fit because he doesn't really add goals and stuff No, um, that's an odd one that's a really yeah. odd signing for them um, They're they, not linked they... for nine yet either, are they? No, but this is the thing. This is what I don't get. Like, both of their best players are leaving this window. Mitrovic is gone and Palinia is leaving today. They haven't bought a striker. And they don't, They as yet, Amrabat is the only actual holding midfielder that's been properly linked. It wouldn't surprise me if they try and maybe do a loan for Calvin Phillips. Yeah. Just as a stopgap. Now, Calvin Phillips is really good. But it wouldn't surprise me if they did that. They'll have no Sasa Lukic this weekend. Willian is a doubt. Bassi is suspended. And Tom Kearney is a doubt. Uh, City will have no KDB until mid-January. John Stones is out and Akanji is a doubt. City should win this game comfortably. The the best players for Fulham are gone. The, the big physical threats that made them such a concern, that big bully up front and that big bully in midfield, they're gone. And what's left is not a whole lot. Raul Jimenez is not a number nine to be leading the line week after week in the Premier League in the year of our Lord 2023. He just isn't. And I loved Raul Jimenez before his injury. Mm. He hasn't been the same player and he's 32 now. So I don't really know what, what the plan is at Fulham. Maybe they've got a couple of deals up their sleeves. They're the master of doing six deals on, the, on deadline day. So maybe they'll they'll pull something off, but I'm not holding out much hope for them. And I think this window, I think it's made them relegation contenders as things stand. 
which is such a shame because they were so impressive last year. Um, I'm going to go 3-0 to City. Yeah, I think you got a question. Not question. I think you got a wonder about Marco Silva as well. He obviously had the Saudi interest earlier in the window. I, early I in wonder the is he, he thinking he made a mistake and saying yeah. no. Because if they promised to back him, I mean, since then, the two lads have left and they've not really replaced anything or added to the squad. So No, I mean, Calvin Bassey's their sort of big money signing so far in this window. And like he's a decent defender, but it, he's not... He's not world class. Um, Jimenez, Adama Traore on a free, Timothy Castanier, and Stephen Bender as a backup goalkeeper. Like it's it's not it's not filling you with huge amounts of confidence. And like Mitrovic is gone twelve days now, and they still haven't properly replaced him. Yeah, it's the lack of links as well, which is very strange. But anyway, that's probably something to discuss on Monday. Uh, my neighbours are cutting the grass, so if you can hear that in the background, listeners, I do apologise. I can't be bothered going to shout at them, though. <laughs> but uh, we'll move on to the late kickoff on the Saturday, uh, Dave. And this should be the most fun one of the weekend. We've got Brighton against Newcastle. Um, Brighton probably want to bounce back because they kind of got found out, probably too strong a word, but West Ham played them pretty much perfectly. And Newcastle somehow lost last weekend. <laughs> um, but this should be a fun game, Dave. Yeah, this is this is one of the most most anticipated games of the weekend, for sure. Um, two very good teams. Two teams that play very different styles of football. Watching Brighton last week against West Ham was a bit concerning. How how open they were. You would hope that the Zerbi has learned that James Milner cannot play right back, cannot play in the Premier League at this point in his career. Newcastle are very capable of doing to them what West Ham did, only better because they're a better team than West Ham. Going into the game, Newcastle have a couple of doubts and a couple of injuries. So you've got no Kraft, no Willock, no Mankeo. Lewis Hall isn't up to full fitness yet, but he might be ready to go. Jolington is a doubt, and Sven Botman is a big doubt. So Botman will be a huge loss for them because Dan Byrne is not as good at centre back as he is at left back. Brighton, no Enciso, no Motor, and no Welbeck. Um, which means Evan Ferguson starts up front, which is good. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know if Ansu Fati was registered in time. Now, he wouldn't start, but I wonder if he could be an option for them off the bench. I'm looking forward to this, and I think there's going to be goals in this game. I think there could be a lot of excitement, but I, I, I have a feeling Newcastle will win the game. I'm going to go 3-2 to Newcastle. Yeah, and it's probably a much-needed win for Newcastle after the obviously started perfectly with the Villa result, but would have been three on the uh, three losses on the bounce, wouldn't it? If they didn't, if they don't win on uh, on Saturday, um, yeah, Brighton. I mean, defensively, you mentioned James Milner there, but Adam Webster's had a bit of a nightmare start to the season as well. I think maybe Igor would probably do a start. Yes, or any well, that Dutch lad's a bit of a nightmare as well. To be fair, <laughs> so yeah, probably Igor. Um, but moving on to the Sunday then. Uh, 
God Lord, why is this on telly? <laughs> Crystal Palace against Wolves, Dave. Uh, nil, nil. Yeah, someone, someone answer me how this game is on TV and Liverpool versus Aston Villa is not on TV. I'm guessing we're meant to be at three o'clock because they played last night. It's not. Yeah, but Liverpool I know it's still a stupid, it's still a stupid Villa decision. Yeah, or Crystal Palace versus Wolves. Like, sorry. No one wants to watch Crystal Palace versus Wolves. Nobody does. Even Wolves fans don't want to watch that. Uh, Palace, no Elise, uh, still no Matthias Franke, and no Will Hughes, although he's getting closer to fitness. Uh, for Wolves, no Huang, no Joseph Hodge. Uh, curious to see if Tommy Doyle will make his debut this weekend. I'm excited to see him uh, at Wolves. Uh, no point in getting too into this. I think Palace will win this game at home. I'll go 2-0 to Palace. Yeah. Uh, only interest for me is that Paraguayan region the sound. That... Gonzalez. Yeah. yeah. The, uh, the Enciso region. Yeah. <laughs> the region of a 12-year-old. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, he's he's meant to be very, very talented. I, I've said this before. Um, when when Brighton signed Enciso, a lot of people were saying, keep an eye on this kid. He's the next one at the same club. Right. Uh, and Brighton were were believed to have gotten an option on him, but it doesn't appear that they did. So Wolves have snapped him up, and, and it'll be really interesting to see how he develops there. Um, but yeah, I'll go 2-0 to, to Palace. Is he a number 10? Because if he is, I mean, Brighton have 700 number 10s, to be fair. <laughs> so I, 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 that I don't know. I know he's a forward player, but I don't right. know whether he's a wide forward or a 10 or a winger or what he is. Right, okay. But anyway, we'll move on to the game that probably should be on TV, and that's not just because we're Liverpool fans, because Villa are fun as well. Um, you've obviously just done the scouted for over an AI for this, um, which you can listen in more detail if you want a full preview. Um <sighs> This should be a fun game, but Liverpool's obvious injuries and suspensions at the back, and Ollie Watkins does love to turn into um, Ronaldo when he plays Liverpool for some reason. Mm. And the RB's form, I mean, I think Villa should see this as a good opportunity, and obviously um, Emery's record against Klopp, I'm not sure what it is exactly, but it's very good, if I remember correctly. Um, And I'm sure we remember the end of last season where Emery just completely stopped this inverted fullback thing with Trent and just nullify, was the first team to nullify it. So this should be an interesting game, but as a Liverpool fan, I, I'm nervous. Yeah. Yeah, I am. I am as well. Um, no, actually, Klopp's, Klopp's record against Emery is quite good. Uh, nine games, Klopp has won six of them. Right, okay, fair enough. Two draws. Now, it is worth pointing out that every time they faced each other, Klopp has had the better team. Like, this is not like they've been on level footing. And the the one win that Emery has was the Europa League final. So, you know, he, he does have that. Um, when, when Emery was at Arsenal, Liverpool were always the better team. Now, a couple of those games, I believe, ended in penalty shootouts, or at least at least one did. Oh, is that when oh, we put them in the League Cup every year? Yeah, so that that was a draw. So, I, you know, it, it's down as a win for Klopp, but that's a draw. But last season, he did completely nullify. Um, he did completely nullify the this Liverpool team and made the the three box three that Liverpool were were trying to play look very flimsy. 
And we were lucky in that one to get away with the draw. Remember, you remember the, there was the, the penalty shout um, where Ibu seemed to clip the guy. And then there was there was a couple of other big Villa chances in that game. To, to be honest, Dave. They missed the penalty, out, didn't it's, they? It's out of my head. It's out of my head last season. I'm almost them. certain they did miss a penalty. I think Ollie Watkins. He did. Ollie Watkins missed a penalty. Did he put it wide or he hit the post? Yeah, he put it wide of the post. Yeah. Um, Jacob Ramsey had scored for them, and we got the late, late, late equaliser through Bobby. They should have been tuning yes. up. They should have been cruising. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I mean, they, they did make us look fairly average on the day. Um, they've got a lot of injuries, though. They've got Buendia, Mings, Ramsey, Dendonker, Coutinho, and Eric Boonham all out. Major doubts over Emmy Martinez and Alex Moreno. If Emmy Martinez misses out, that's huge for them because he's he's so important. It's a, it'd be a huge blow for them and a huge boost for Liverpool. Liverpool have no Alcantara, no Canate, and no Van Dijk, who's suspended. It's at home. I'm going to go 2-1 to Liverpool, but I'm not confident in that prediction. Yeah, it will be a tough game. Um, last game of the weekend, Dave, and I know this is many of people's favourite Premier League rivalry, um, neither side started the season particularly well. I mean, I was listening to the Totally Football show and they had um, Duncan Alexander on, who most people know as the statistician. Uh, Arsenal have made less XG than Everton this season, Dave, which isn't a good look for any team, never mind Arsenal. No, it's not. Arsenal have been really poor this season. Um, very, very fortunate in their games so far. Very fortunate to beat Nottingham Forest at home. Uh, that game probably should have been a draw. Forrest missed a couple of big chances. Very, very fortunate to beat um, Palace away. Palace missed a couple of good chances, but it was a a bit of a questionable penalty um, that, that gave Arsenal the win. And then obviously played Fulham last weekend and, and looked dreadful for most parts. So, yeah, not impressed with Arsenal at all this season, but... Equally, not impressed with United, one iota. Mm. Awful against Wolves and should have been comfortably beaten. Awful against Spurs, were beaten 2-0. And played Forrest last week, went 2-0 down within five minutes. And if Forrest hadn't decided, let's try and hold on to this, I think Forrest could have gotten three or four. United are a mess defensively. The midfield doesn't work. And there's no real cutting edge for them up front. They go into this game with no Manu, no Shaw, no Mason Mount, no Rafa Varane, no Malasia, no Rasmus Hoysland, um, who's I think he's back in training. But they're going to have to be real careful with that one because it's a back injury and he's a kid. So you got to be real careful with that one. No Ahmed Diallo and no Tom Heaton. Arsenal, no Julian Timber, no Mohamed Elneny. They do have a big doubt over Eddie and Ketia, but fingers crossed he's okay because he did make the England squad and it'd be a shame to see him miss out on the England squad through an injury. Oh, did he? That's nice. Yeah, and I'm not, not saying it's deserved, but you know, it's always nice to see a young player get his first call-up. Um, if Arsenal don't win this game, it will look very, very bad in Arteta because as we go into this weekend, United's... Defense is most likely Wan Bissaka at right back, Delo at left back. They're trying to get Sergio Regulon in on loan, um, but he won't. I think be- that's been confirmed now because he's been, has it been confirmed. He, uh, Ten Hag said he was training all day, 
today. Oh, interesting. So maybe yeah. he's been registered in time and maybe he yeah. will start. Um, and then Lindelof and, and the Gnome at centre-back or, or Maguire and the Gnome. Mm. Like, neither of them pairings fill you with, with confidence, especially with those fullbacks. If their left side for a considerable period of time is going to be five foot three, Lissandra Martinez and five foot four, four Sergio Regulon, that is not going to hold up in the Premier League. It's just not. You're going to get bombarded. And Regulon's a good player. I really liked him at Sevilla, but he, he hasn't done well in the Premier League. He hasn't dealt well with the physicality. He hasn't shown he's good enough defensively. So I would have major concerns about United's defence. I'm going to pick Arsenal to win that game 3-1. Yeah, I could see that being a bit of a bloodbath, to be honest. But Arsenal, as we say, had a weird start. Uh, But that is the last game of the weekend. Perfect. And we will leave it there. I'll be back Monday. Um, We'll review the games probably quicker than normal on Monday and maybe just get into a lot more of the... uh, the transfer window, which will be closed by then. So have yourselves a good weekend. Thank you to Guy, and we will see you all next week. Bye-bye. Podcast Network.